please pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can hear those words of invitation and come as we are because we already know you know us. There's nothing that can be hidden from you. But in that moment, Lord, you give us permission to be honest before you, that we put aside any subterfuge, any pretending, any idea about who we are, what we are, and how we come and how you have brought us here. It is by your gracious mercy, Lord. And we know that you have invaded our space, our world, in order to get our attention so that we realize our needs. Because sometimes, Lord, we are so indifferent. Sin blinds us to our own needs. And we often act as if we are bringing so much to the table when we realize our hands are empty and we simply come and we step in to your mercy, into your forgiveness. We ask, Lord, tonight that as we begin this fresh start, as we think about what that means for us as an individual, as couples, as families, and certainly the community of faith, we ask, Lord, that you would speak those words of encouragement to us so that we can see things a little better, a little clearer, a little bigger from your perspective and that we can rest in you knowing that you are handling all of it. We praise your name. We thank you in your name because of Jesus. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from Christ Jesus our Lord. Darling people in the Lord, you are loved. Is that important to know? You are loved by people sitting next to you, hopefully. You are, okay, good. Grabbing hands, that's always good. All right, patting, that's good. Smiles on the faces, that's good. And it's important to be loved by someone, isn't it? Connected with someone who sees us beyond how everyone else may see us. That knows what we've been through individually and together, and still loves us, and then be, because of that love is for us, is going to be there as our friend and a, a person who is ready to listen most of the time and who is ready to say encouraging things, how important it is to be loved. And tonight you're loved by God. The mighty God who Luther said, how could he even come before that God because this was the almighty one who every moment is being sung in heaven. Holy, 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 Lord of hosts. Every moment, all of heaven praises God for who he is. Recognize him. And we, every once in a while, plug in to that experience. Certainly invited to. But God is in the Holy of Holies. He is the Holy of Holies. And he is the one who cannot tolerate sin, but at the same time miraculously loves us as dearly loved children who are still carrying around sin, who still listen to sermons and read the scriptures and have devotions and learn all of these songs and have a connection with church, join and do ministry and help people out and are generous and forget what God has just spoken to us about and choose to do things that look 
culturally like everybody else. Sometimes, you know, we tiptoe around in the church because we don't want to offend people. You know, when we talk about evangelism, we talk about sharing the gospel, and we talk about going out and living and, and doing all of those things for the Lord, sometimes we're just very, very tentative about that because we don't want to offend anybody. Well, that may be true. We don't want to cause people offense. But Jesus said that the cross itself is an offense. I've had people who come to church and say, I don't come on Good Friday because, you know, all you people talk about is death. You talk about bloody things, you know, punishment, execution, being beaten to a pulp, carrying across through the streets, the Via Della Rosa, the, the way of tears. You talk about all that sad stuff, and you call it Good Friday. I don't understand. And I really don't want my children being exposed to that. However, I don't mind them playing all kinds of video games, killing people right and left, going to movies that are not just for adults, but there you see families being exposed to these kinds of things, walking in places now where it's a common place to hear swear words and vulgarities as a, just as if people are sneezing. And yet we don't want to enter into what it took to bring us to this very moment and what will take us out of this moment into eternity. Sometimes we need a fresh start. We need to begin again. I don't know how many of you have used bars of soap at home. Um, does anybody still use bars of soap? I mean, they sell them. Um, and, and they have all these kinds of gift soaps that are so beautiful, you don't want to ever use them. They're in your bathrooms. How many of you have those kinds of guest soaps? And hope that nobody actually uses them because they have this beautiful design on them. And they're beautiful colors. And you collected them from somewhere. Or you thought they were lovely. And they, oh, they have a great smell. And as guests, I've been in those kinds of bathrooms when I think, I've got to wash my hands. But I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I've actually used the soap. And then I've dried it off and smoothed it so that it looks like I didn't do that. The next person at that party did it. And some of you may even have what we have is that here's a lovely bar soap, but glued to the back of it is the old soap. <laughs> um, what? What do you do with all those little pieces? And particularly if you find a soap you really like, you just, oh, it's so good in the morning. And you just sort of get your day going. And then you can't find that soap, and, but you don't want to give up that little piece. So somehow you leave it in there and you plop another bar on top of it and there you go. But you may have a lot of these little pieces of soap. And some of you might even be so crafty to take all those little bars of soap and make a fresh bar of soap. Anybody ever done that? You've probably done it with candles. But with soap... And, and, you know, when you look around, people are doing all of these exotic kinds of soap uh, and dipping them in all kinds of um, colorful things so that you really don't ever use them. They're just there for, for the scent. But you can take all those little pieces and make a new bar of soap from all those little pieces. Now, you have to find things that sort of are compatible 
But how you do it, you just put it in over the heat and melt it down. And you may add a little more perfume to it. You may add a little texture to it. But it won't come out exactly as smooth as that first soap. It'll be a little grainier. And when we talk about a new start, a fresh start, I think that really represents who we are. As we come to faith from the world, we are transformed by faith in Jesus Christ. But we carry the bits and pieces from all of our life before, all of the people that have invested in all the experiences. And when we become a new believer, we carry all of those things into what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but in a way that is different, with a different purpose, a a different shape, a a different collection of things, and an expectation of how God will pull all of that together, because we are still uniquely who we are. But we're now the difference between being dead in our trespasses and sins and now alive in Christ. We all like fresh starts. We like new beginnings as long as they are sustainable. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, the the new year is a negative time when you think, okay, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to start this. And we realize how difficult that is, don't we? We we think I'm going to be just by my sheer will, I'm going to do this. Sometimes it takes a very tumultuous experience to get us to that point, to take us sort of to our knees. And certainly, coming to Christ is that kind of tumultuous experience. Now, not everybody's going to have uh, an experience, a Damascus Road experience, where the sight is gone and then scales fall. But you know, all of us have something to that degree when we now were doing this and because of Christ now we're doing this, something entirely different. It is as if scales fell from our eyes and we now see clearly in that fresh start. The focus for tonight is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You have it on your your, um, study sheet there. Therefore, and let's read it together, and this is in the Amplified Version, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come, because spiritual awakening brings new life. It is this spiritual awakening, this metamorphosis, that occurs when we are alive in Christ. Luther always identified, besides being beloved, is that we are beggars. Um, When we understand what we bring and how needy we are when we come to God. But that's not a bad place to be because we recognize in that moment how helpless we are. In the Old Testament, we're reminded that God is the one that shapes everything. When he dealt with Job, Job 
who was a righteous man, had everything taken away from him. And he actually came to a deeper relationship with the Lord because of all of those difficulties. He came to a a reckoning with God that he was not God, that God was calling the shots in his life, that anything that he had was a blessing from the Lord. And he had a, a new awareness of how gracious God was to walk him through that. But that's also a, an identity of God that if he takes away, he restores. He may take down in death, but he raises up. The whole focus of what God is doing again is for our benefit in the new creation. But the new creation will make us uncomfortable with certain things. A fresh start makes us see what needs to be cleaned up, what needs to be let go. And these would be things that we may have tolerated and kept in our life for years, but they no longer equip us for walking with Jesus. They no longer equip us to be uh, sharing our faith. They no longer equip us to love as God invites us to discover what love is all about. They certainly don't allow us sometimes to forgive as generously as we expect God to every time we come and ask a prayer, speak a prayer and ask for forgiveness or come to communion. Sometimes we are not quite that generous with the people around us, strangers, and certainly our own family members. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, I think it's, it's, it's important that we don't think that it's a flash in the pan, a new start, flash in the pan. No, this is a new commitment that happens when we come to the Lord or when we begin a fresh start. It says that these things I, I want to change, or these things are not working, and I, I want something different in my life, but I, I know who I am. I know myself, and I know how vulnerable I am to the influences around me. So I need to continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. In the, the verse, uh, in the translation, the Amplified, uh, the Second Corinthians 517 says, talks about grafting. If you've ever grafted, anybody grafted anything like rose bushes or shrubbery or anything grown it that way where you take a little slice, okay, and you, you cut into the vine that you want to graft into and then you, you wrap it around and, and you pray uh, as you keep it moist and, and um, care for it that it will actually grow in to that. Or you might take a, a cutting from it and start rooting it. I'm sure all of you have done that with a sweet potato, haven't you? Or a potato in the window, and the thing gets out of hand, you know, and it, you wonder why everything smells in your kitchen, um, and you need that bar of soap then afterwards, but, um, because potatoes are, are terrible when they start to rot. But you, you have these kinds of things which they, they take a, a, an action, they take some some skill, some attention, and then you allow it to do what it's supposed to do. We encourage people to grow spiritually because the Holy Spirit, if by faith you've come to Christ, God intends for you to grow. You're all primed for growth. And it's important to go deep in, with roots and build up in him. We've just been through these amazing storms and things have been uprooted. And you know, it's surprising to me that it's both. You see r things that are knocked over and they, like saguaros, they don't have much root system. You know that? 
and how they grow so huge. And they've got this little root system down there. And then you, and they stand. I didn't see many saguaros over, except the ones that are starting to rot. Um, but I did see a lot of trees with great big root systems that somehow um, th- th- it was too much where they were and what was happening because they weren't trimmed. And so those trees got too heavy. So not only do we root, but we're built up in him. Every once in a while, the Holy Spirit, God loves us enough to trim out things and trim things away that we don't need. And he wants to strengthen us in the same faith as we were taught. Um, It's important for us to be taught. How many of us are in Bible study? I'll do this as a challenge. You know, it makes a big difference when you are in a classroom with other people. First of all, you're hearing other people's stories. Important. Because it may be similar to yours. You may have someone speak into your life one night when you're there and thinking, nobody knows that about me, but the Holy Spirit uses it. Or God takes the, the word and just throws it in front of your face and boing, 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 gets your attention and said, I never saw that before. Have you had those moments? Those aha moments? I've been listening to that passage for years, and all of a sudden now it speaks personally to me, and God challenges me. He says, David, stop fooling around here. Get this in your head and your heart. Get this into your life, because if you don't get this, you'll never, ever be what I have planned for you to be. So get it together. And the overflowing of thankfulness. You know when you've been through something? where someone has cared for you, taking time to provide for your needs. Uh, Someone has provided something even that you don't know who has provided for it. We had that happen in seminary so many times. Every day in our newsletter at seminary, there would be somebody that would be writing, thank you for this anonymous gift. Thank you for this because this paid for something that we did not have money for, for our children or for bills or for tuition. We wouldn't be here if that had, money had not come in. Uh, if the people who had retired, were retired farmers didn't raise special crops just to bring to the seminary so that we would be able to buy vegetables, uh, buy vegetables, be given vegetables and, and fruit and the kinds of things that often were very expensive for a family going from a salary, two salaries, to one, but the expense of school and all of that and a growing family. And those messages were full of thankfulness. Our life will be marked by thankfulness. Is the first thing that comes out of our mouth is thankfulness or is it complaining about something? Something you didn't do. Now you're not necessarily blaming God. God, no. It's that you're just not thankful. You just, you, all you see is the things that are not, are not right, the things that didn't go the way you expected them to go, or the things that make you feel just so comfortable. How about if I, we actually prayed when we got together and said, thank you, Lord, for my wounds. Thank you, Lord, that someone spoke unkindly to me this week. Thank you, Lord, that I have pain. Thank you, Lord, that I have struggles. Thank you, Lord, that I have some financial difficulties. Thank you, Lord, that I am looking for someone and I haven't been able to find them. Thank you, Lord, that I'm having difficulty with the one that I have. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not on the, you know, the same talking openness uh, with my family members, my extended family. Thank you, Lord, that 
there are still challenges at work. Thank you, Lord, that I struggle with watching the news and understanding what you're doing in the world. You know, that shows maturity when we could be honest with the Lord in that moment to be able to give him those things and even then to be able to expect that God is working in our life. We're not just turning over a new leaf. We are beginning a new life under a new master. Jesus said at one point, you can't serve two masters. What's your master? What master's you? What calls the shots in your life? You call the shots in your life? Other people call the shots? Um, Does your wallet call the shots? Does your bank account, the security call your shots? Or is it the master of Jesus who is in control of all of it, who's the gift giver? The one who calls everything out of nothing and is generous, so generous that we see his hand stretched on that cross, nailed on that cross for you and for me and for the world while they yet were his enemies. While they sneered at him and said, if you're the son of God, get yourself down from that cross. They had won in that moment. But Jesus saw a greater perspective. He knew what was going to come. He knew the victory. We as believers should really have that at the bottom line. We should know the victory. Do you know today the victory that Jesus Christ is working in your life? He wants you to experience that victorious life. And I have to tell you that sometimes I forget because all of the tussle and the the struggle of life you know, like a tumbleweed blows right to our front door. And we get sidetracked by what's right there and seeing a much larger picture of the fresh start. God intends for each of us to be blessed and to be a blessing because we are people who've been reconciled. We have been put right with God, brought back to him by his blotting out of our sins and making us righteous. It's called the great exchange. We gave him our sin. He gave us forgiveness, his righteousness or his right standing. We are clean before the Lord by faith in him. And that picture of a great exchange defies every economic principle because as people... be beyond money, um, beyond the printed bills and coinage, um, bartered. That's how they traded what they had of value. But it had to be sort of bartering on the basis of equal value. But this is not equal at all. God has taken what really means is, is damnable and returns to us what is redeemable. The great exchange is that we get for something that we have not given in equal value. What in my hands can I bring? Simply to thy cross I cling. Tonight, I would invite you to come to this altar and to understand that great exchange. That great exchange because God loves you. You are dearly beloved. You are known in every nuance and every detail by name. And you are here, not by just your choice, not by accident, but by the fact that God has been pursuing you. 
Some have called the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. And when the hound of heaven is on your trail, he does not give up. God loves with an everlasting love, with a pursuing love, with a patient love, and with a fulfilling love. That's a fresh start. When we can kind of put aside these things and simply step in to what God has prepared for us. But not only for us. Every time we come, we are being equipped to grow in the Lord so that that gratefulness spills over into other people's lives. They will see that you have been reconciled. That's why it says in Peter that we should be ready to give an answer for those that ask, what is it that's inside of you that makes you different? Why are you not reacting the way you're reacting? Why are you being generous? Why do you practice these things? Why do you have this attitude of forgiveness and love and thankfulness when it doesn't seem to be merited? You and I have an opportunity then to speak gently to speak lovingly, to speak wisely as the Holy Spirit gives us to reconcile the world. You and I are reconcilers and ambassadors. And we have been given an invitation not only to come and to grow, but also to go and share and invite. We are sent in this fresh start because God intends this fresh start for the world. Christ came for the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I'd encourage you to think about that tonight as you come to the altar, because coming to the altar means a number of things. God is speaking to you and saying, I love you, and here is my very body and blood in the bread and the wine. But it's also a laying down, a putting aside, and saying, Lord, maybe I've missed some things. Maybe I'm my, my life has, at this point has been sort of my own more than has been yours. And so I come, and I want it to be different. And so use me, Lord. Speak to me, minister to me, so that I can in turn minister to those around me, and certainly those who are without you. A fresh start. My family right now is doing a thing where they have to eat and put on, wash with soap and, and lotion without any oils in it for 40 days. And it's a way in which it's a cleansing of the body and getting it to work efficiently. Sometimes we need to do a look and see what is working efficiently and what isn't. Physical bodies, yes, but also our spiritual body. What isn't working, and what can I lay down, and what does the Lord give me permission now in his grace and mercy to begin in a fresh start? It may be eliminating things. It may be taking up things. It may simply be doing what you're doing, but only with a different focus. Only the Lord and you will know that. May you be blessed as you come tonight and as you receive 
from the Lord what he has. The peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus now and forever. Amen.